Uh, hello and welcome to Tackling the Text. I'm Luke and I'm here with Mikey. Hello everyone. Pastor and Marzi. Hi guys. Uh, Tackling the Text is where we uh, go a bit deeper into God's Word uh, and we think about how we're going to preach it well on Sunday. Uh, this is actually uh, the second talk in our Finding More series. Um, so Mikey, do you want to uh, reflect a little bit on uh, how, how we started this series and, uh, and, and your thoughts on how we're going? Yeah, so this series kind of follows on our Fullness in Jesus series, but this series is much more evangelistic and apologetic. And so it's really trying to engage our culture to show how the Christian life, we can find more satisfaction, more meaning, more identity, and more hope in Jesus. Excellent. And... uh, this week we're uh, preaching from the Gospel of Luke. So it's chapter 9, we're starting at verse 18. Before we go any further, we should listen to it. So Marzi, could you read it for us? Yep. Uh, so Luke chapter 9, verse 18, and we're going to go to 27. So Once when Jesus was praying in private and his disciples were with him, he asked them, Who do the crowds say I am? They replied, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, And still others, that one of the prophets of long ago has come back to life. But what about you, he asked, who do you say I am? Peter answered, God's Messiah. Jesus strictly warned them not to tell anyone. And he said, the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests and the teachers of the law. And he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Then he said to them, Or whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit their very self? Whoever is ashamed of me and my words, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes in his glory and in the glory of the Father and the holy angels. Truly, I tell you, someone who is is standing here will not taste death before they see the kingdom of God. Great. Thanks, Marzi. So the title of this talk is An Identity That Doesn't Crush You. Mikey, could you talk a bit about uh, why you've chosen that title, um, but also why you've paired that title with the passage that we just read? Yep. So um, identity is um, becoming more and more of a thing that people are looking for, mm. um, in particular in a postmodern world where identity traditionally was just taking up the roles in our family, society, um, and so even in the Bible's time, you know, uh, you are the son and daughter of such and such. Or if your parents were a carpenter, most likely you would be a carpenter. Mm. But today we're living in a world with plentiful uh, choice. And in some ways we can choose a lot of um, our things that we think will constitute our identity, whether it's our jobs and the you know social circles. We have a lot of choice. Um, and I chose this passage because um, it talks about Jesus' identity. Mm. And it actually then spells out what does it mean to be a Christian or a follower of Jesus when we understand Jesus' identity. Mm. Well, 
You do you. That sounds excellent. <laughs> um, we should look at the passage. Um, and Mike, it'd be great to share uh, kind of your thoughts as you were reading and preparing on it. Um, as we kind of read it, it, uh, it seems quite an intense passage. We're talking about life and death. And uh, so how, what was your experience of breaking it down? Yeah. So uh, as I was looking at this passage, I saw, I guess, three parts where we can break down the passage. The first part is from verses 18 to 20, and that's all about Peter realizing who Jesus is, understanding his identity. And he comes to a conclusion at verse 20, where he says, but what about you? He asked, who do you say I am? And Peter answered, God's Messiah. So that was a bit of a aha light bulb moment, where Peter understood that um, Jesus is the promised Messiah who will come to save uh, his people. And then it moves into the next section, which is 21 to 22, uh, where it unexpectedly, Jesus says that he must suffer and die. Mm. Uh, And that's going to be part of his life and identity as God's Messiah. And this would have come as a a total shock for Peter and his readers, uh, that the promised Messiah would... Um, well, you would know, actually the, die. The, the, they're expecting the you know the machine gun toting revolutionary, and they get a guy that's like, yeah, no, nah, probably going to die. It's not going to be great. Yeah, <laughs> so they're probably thinking a king, a political leader, and yeah. there's no good use when uh, a leader dies. There's no <laughs> no political reign in that sense. But that's how Jesus actually is victorious over sin, Satan, death. And then the last section is from verse 23 to 27 which then spells out what is the implication for a disciple of Jesus who is a Messiah that dies. Mm. Yeah, well, maybe you could uh, talk a bit more about that uh, in terms of the the challenges for actually interpreting this passage. Uh, In some ways, it's quite hard to wrap your head around because we're talking about uh, giving up our life in order to save it and um, how are we to understand those things and in particular... How does that actually relate to identity as, you know, in terms of us listening on a Sunday? Yeah. So if we look at the last section, we just focus our time there. Um, and I'll focus on two particular verses, verses 23 and 24. Verse 23 talks about uh, being a disciple means picking up our cross daily. And at first it could really relate, I guess, uh, most immediately that Jesus is going to die on the cross. And so, as implication, his disciples must also follow the way of the cross. Like face persecution or something. Yeah, and that's a kind of your first impression. Okay, well, Jesus faced persecution, physical suffering. That's very evident about what happened at the cross. Um, but if we could kind of look at the meaning more deeply, uh, it's more than physical suffering and persecution. It's about, uh, keyword denying themselves so it's about Mm -hmm. denying our self-determination so jesus uses the key word picking up the cross or living the cross as almost a um, a key word to mean denying our Mm -hmm. self-determination to give up our rights uh, which is very countercultural. It sounds like we're uh, heading towards my favorite segment, which is Greek Word of the Week. Uh, Mikey, uh, what's going to really unlock this passage and make it pop for me in terms of Greek or that, knowing the original text? That's right. So Greek mm. is actually pretty important uh, in regards to the topic of identity. So if I read out verse 24, 
again, forever, who, for whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life will save it. And at first, you might think life in terms, again, physical sense, uh, living and physically dying. But the Greek word for life is actually psyche. Um, and so mm, the word mm, mm. is probably more directly related to soul. Yeah, like mm. soul, your life force, or you were saying that we get our psychology is kind of a derivative of that word, like it's kind of our, our, our mind and our kind of inner, inner dynamism, going somewhere, doing something, being something. That's right. So we kind of think soul more like in horror movies, like, you know, <laughs> like our spirit. Yeah. But soul was like another word for inner self. Mm. So, and that's really connected to identity. Like the thing that animates us and gives us our kind of uh, impetus to be who we are. Yeah, so it's that inner self, inner identity that's not based on our physical appearances, uh, our core self, you can say. And Jesus here is saying that uh, whoever wants to, in other words, lose their identity, they will gain their identity if they have an identity in Christ. Mm. Um, and so th- that's pretty key in the sense that it goes against our modern approach to finding our identity, which is to find it within ourselves, to construct it, to build it, to self-define it. Um, but Jesus says, actually, if you try to do that, um, you're going to actually lose it um, in the sense that uh, you're not going to find your true sense of self. Uh, in mm. other words, you're not going to find the person that you were designed to be if you try to do it yourself. Yeah, so uh, in, our, in your first sermon, so uh, last week, uh, you kind of contrasted uh, maybe ancient ways of uh, finding identity or satisfaction. You kind of talked about modern ways where you try and achieve the same thing but in a different way. Uh, and I'm hearing you kind of use the same sort of language. Could uh, Is that something that you're kind of thinking about in terms of uh, uh, what makes this message kind of distinct from uh, other ways of uh, finding our identity? Yeah, so I mentioned how uh, Jesus goes against the modern way, but he's also going against perhaps more the ancient and traditional way in the sense that um, uh, we, we somehow... Um, have to deny our, our complete sense of identity. We have to deny our passions and empty ourselves up in order to find, somehow be connected, I guess, with the world or the universe and be at mm. one in, in that sense. Jesus is actually not talking about uh, the Christian life as being empty because um, it actually says that if you give up your life, if you lose your life, you will save it in, in the sense that you will uh, have a, a new identity. And so discipleship, if we understand the word meaning more about identity, it's not about necessarily the things we do to follow Jesus. It's who we become. Mm. Uh, So discipleship is actually more about identity change rather behavioral change. And it's not us losing ourselves into nothingness and just, just kind of like live for Jesus but Jesus actually gives us a, a new identity whereby we uh, live out his design. He lives out he, his purposes for us. Mm. Yeah. And it, it's interesting hearing you talk about that because you know, our church is fairly culturally diverse. And I think for me, for me growing up in a fairly kind of um, you know, white bread, Anglo-Saxon household, 
Uh, the emphasis was never on, never for me to be anyone that my parents wanted, but it certainly was. I had to find who I wanted to be in a way that was satisfying. But it's really interesting that there are other people in our congregation who uh, are still kind of coming to terms with uh, family obligations mm. and expectations from uh, their parents or uh, from from their culture about uh, their identity and who they're supposed to be. And it, mm. it, it's really interesting how. Uh, we can come at it from totally opposite directions and, and, and both of us can be corrected in kind of the same moment. Yeah, that's, right. that's right. That's a classic example where in Eastern uh, families or Eastern cultures, you have to suppress your sense of identity to meet a communal obligation. But Jesus says, no, 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 no. You don't suppress your identity. You give up your identity, yes, but you pick up a new identity. Mm. And that's not defined by yourself. It's not defined by your parents. It's defined by God. And God is the one that uh, he promises is the way to to life. Mm-hmm. Mm. And that's another word of, if we look at that in sense of identity, the way of a new identity, a new worth, a new purpose, a new meaning to the way we're meant to live. Because you, you were talking um, earlier um, Psyche, that Greek word, you could almost, uh, instead of translating it life, you could sub out uh, identity and uh, it would be a perfectly good translation and it would kind of make much more sense to us kind of modern people. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, we're moving towards applying the message uh, and who better to uh, put their finger on the pulse than uh, <laughs> the man with the trendiest hair that I know. Uh, Marzi, so Marzi, uh, as as we've been talking and uh, thinking about the passage, uh, what are some aspects of our culture that are going to uh, resonate or clash with the things that we've been talking about? Yeah, well, I think we're in a interesting time in our culture uh, where uh, w- Australia and Sydney has been ingrained in the Western thinking of accumulation, um, trying to get. Uh, a lot of things get wealth um, and uh, and build their identity around that. Uh, but with the rise of things like uh, Maria Kondo, um, it's now, uh, <laughs> I'm not particularly kind of with it. Who is that? Well, what is that? Yeah. Um, so if you guys don't know Maria Kondo, um, a Japanese woman, um, very big now on Netflix after she released a show, uh, basically spreading um, the news of minimalist life, um, getting rid of things, trying to clear and declutter um, space uh, in the house, uh, in the house uh, because it's basically a way of expressing of the, how they express themselves of clearing out their mind. Uh, so a very type of meditative, emptying the mind type of person uh, and theory behind her. Uh, And that's becoming major things, uh, a major talking subject to many people right now. Yeah, and you kind of see it the way that um, often, I think, especially maybe younger people feel the pressure to uh, express who they are, uh, not by maybe conforming to like parental expectations, but maybe more in terms of consumer choices, where the things that we buy are really important to expressing who we are. and. Um, you kind of aren't really an actualized person unless you can kind of express yourself with the right sort of clothes or house or decor, um, which is you know quite difficult. It costs lots of money. And yeah, it is. It's it's really funny because like the the most minimal things cost triple the price of something that you can get with like twenty times the fabric or material. Uh, so it's pretty stupid. 
But um, yeah, it really speaks into uh, the passage that we're looking at. Too. It really speaks into that, um, the idea of um, giving, um, yeah, wanting to save your psyche or identity um, through either materialistic gain or actually taking away materialistic gain or uh, all that type of um, to and fro and that, um, what you call it, that um, tension between it um, is actually just solved by looking at Jesus, mm-hmm. um, looking at who he is and what he offers. Uh, well, uh, as we kind of try and uh, land, land plane, Coming out of this sermon, if I'm going to uh, sum up your sermon in a tweet this Sunday, what are you hoping that I take away? Okay, the the one idea would be, I am not who I say I am, and I am not who what other people say I am, and I am not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I get what you're saying. Yep. Uh, yeah, so I'm I'm not who uh, I understand myself to be. I'm not who others tell me to be, but I'm who. God tells me to be because of Christ. That's, that's right. What, yeah, yep. that's right. It's a world mouthful. Well, I'm uh, I'm psyched uh, for listening to the uh, upcoming sermon on Sunday. Uh, I I think it's appropriate though that we finish our time by praying. So, Mikey, could yep. you pray for us as we finish? Yeah, uh, Heavenly Father, we pray that um, we do not define our identity based on perhaps how we feel and think of ourselves. Nor do we base our identity on what other people say and what other people think of who we are. Father, help us to base our identity on what you say who we are. And who we are is one in Christ. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Well, that was Tackling the Text. Uh, Thanks for joining us. And we'll see you on Sunday. See you guys.